0: There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com/plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host DK, and with me today is special guest and host of the exclusive subscriber-only episodes of the Mixing Music Podcast, James from James D Mastering.
1: How's it going, everyone? I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy that everyone thinks I look like Jesus today. And I'll take that.
0: Wow, you do look like you are. Anyway, uh, this is uh, you could be. This could be a sign. Anyway. Um, We'd like to welcome Jesus to this episode. of the- <laughs> No, um, this uh, this is a fun one. So Lou is unable to come today, so we want to—I'm going to I'm gonna be totally straight-faced. We-, we want more subscribers to the exclusive episodes because I think they're fun. James is the main host, and I'm kind of more of the co-host, of the exclusive subscriber-only episodes of the podcast. For $4 a month or $40 a year, you can get— Two episodes, two extra episodes every single week, so if you are paying attention to the exclusive archives that we release once a week, those are all from over a year or two ago, and uh the cool thing with that is you won't like you'll never catch up like if you do the one episode a week, it's cool, it's free. But if you subscribe, you get twice as many episodes and all of the other exclusive episodes, even the ones that are slightly too offensive, where I like I'm like very mad or something. I'm very triggered and I don't release them because it would piss people off. And I'm glad they're behind a private paywall. Now, you know, if you want to discover my real thoughts on abortion, no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> you get to find out DK's favorite races on, yeah, yeah. on that podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get to find out who my least favorite race is. <laughs>
1: Mine, mine is an F one forty. That is a terrible race.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but we have a good time. We're, you know, we we kick each other in the balls metaphorically, um, and yeah. uh, it's fun. It's and it's fun. And they're all exclusive. Uh, all the exclusive episodes are very technical. So me and Lou, we like talking about the technicals, but we're kind of uh, beyond that. And I don't think that that's what's important to building a career. So, um, but everybody, the numbers, the numbers always want the, the mass vast majority still thinks that a specific EQ curve or how to use an EQ is going to help. And like, I think that does help at first. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, uh, I do think. That uh, So if you want more of the technical stuff, you just got to go to MixingMusicPodcast.com slash exclusive. And today's episode, not only are we trying to openly tell you to your face that we want to convert you into an exclusive subscriber, yeah. Um, but what is today's episode about?
1: Um, so today we're going to talk about the top things that we've actually learned from the podcast. Um, oh, one more thing before I forget too, with the exclusive member exclusive episodes, is there are some things that we can't talk about whether it's projects we're working on or things like that on the open internet that could sometimes be talked about behind the paywall. So, oh, yeah. get, so like last some week some really good yeah, last week we gave a really good episode where DK kind of broke down the whole process from start to beginning, start to end of communicating with um, a new client, like a big client and how that kinda of went down. So yeah, you you get you get some really good things like that, and we're gonna start doing some mix breakdowns on Ooh. the podcast too. So that's gonna be oh, that's
0: right. For forgot we we're gonna do that, yeah.
1: And so that you get a get you get more specific technical tips. As yeah,
0: well. and if it's behind a paywall, I don't mind talking shit openly about a mix.
1: <laughs> um, Will likely be mine sometimes too, and I'm okay with that.
0: And one of the things I know one of the, my mantras is like uh, I do believe in timing. And I do believe in, in kindness, <laughs> but I don't ever believe in lying. I don't think lying is a good – it doesn't help anybody in the long term. So yeah, I'm willing to suffer through the pains and the discomfort of telling the honest truth now for long-term gains. And if you're the type of person who doesn't like honest feedback um, and take everything personally, then we are not likely to be friends. I don't want to be friends with you. Uh, you don't want to be friends with me. It's mutual. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, leave the studio. There's
0: there's a list of five yeah. things.
1: Yeah, we'll each give five things. Um, I tried to keep mine unique, different from the general overall lessons that people talk about in mixing. Um, I'll so start unique
0: off, and specific.
1: Yeah, unique and specific. That like specifically for me doing these conversations and um, we'll sometimes react to clips and things like that. It's the main things that I've taken away that has changed my mixing. Um, the first one for me is actually, um with compressors and limiters learning your attack and release and how each of those sound. That's something that uh, I noticed yes. has come up a lot, especially on like last week's episode. We talked about, um, how like listening for the release on the, the limiter can affect the kind of groove, which I did of this the sound. Week. Yeah, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. yeah and It yeah, makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Yeah, so this is really, really important with the compressor. So there was someone on Discord, was it? On Facebook, I don't remember. But one of my friends asked, okay, if there's a static snare, like it's a snare sample, so it's the same exact dynamics on each snare hit through the entire song. You don't need to compress it, right? That was the question. Like, do you need to compress it if it's the same? So Mm. with compression, there's more than just dynamic processing that's important so for example with attack and release there's also a sense of like transient designing uh construction or deconstruction of a transient emphasizing a transient something super fast like an 1176 will will won't build as much or create as much of a pop of a transient of a snare as much as like something slower and then the release is the sustain so for example if you want more of that snare rattle or the the room sound the reverb of the snare um, with less transient. So you it's like a more sustained, like instead of a pop, you get a pa pa. Yeah. Um, you can do a hot, fast attack and a fast release. The faster the release, the more ambience you get, the more background noise you get and the faster the attack, the less of that initial pop is going to come through. So it's going to squish the entire thing. So yeah. there's also, so so beyond dealing with the practical dynamic control there's also transient emphasis or deemphasis, and then there's also uh, with the release you can, con- and that's with the attack. With the release you can control the um, the ambience and the sustain of yeah. different uh, percussive materials or anything, uh, or even non percussive materials. So
1: yeah, especially if it's like a kick sample that has a, if it doesn't go with a song that we're like Oof, after the the initial transient, like usually the release you'd kind of tame that and make it so it matches the vibe of the song a lot better
0: there you go there you go this is also true with um even like a bass or kick drum or something like that if you have a slower release oh for oh if you have a drum kit and you have a snare with a lot of hi-hat bleed and you don't have a lot of uh, ghost notes so it's just singles hits um you can do a very slow release and it'll the bleed will be less so you'll hear less hi-hat if you do a super fast release you'll hear that the hi hat will get louder the more you compress. So yeah. these are things that you uh, that are practical, even if it is a static, um, static single source, single sample snare drum or whatever instrument it is, or some sort of loop. Um, and then the last thing, which is not as important, but something to consider, is the harmonic distortion or the harmonic saturation that is happening, mm. the clipping that can happen. So yeah. some compressors you can actually clip which is really interesting and the flavors that you can get from that. Although that's not, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I think transient versus, uh, transient control and sustain is the most obvious ones. I don't know. Cause there's a lot of times where I just pick a clipper instead of a. If I, if that's the yeah. case, i use like a saturation tool or a clipper. Yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. The last one, I, I don't know. It feels, for some reason, it feels like it, it deserves its own category. Like it's yeah. not the same.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of a different thing. Although you're, especially on like the Master bus, your release can affect the distortion when it's like pushing down. Yeah. Like super when it's fast. Limiting.
0: Yeah. On some, on some compressors, the fast attack, fast release just doesn't work for some, whatever scientific reason that I don't know. Yeah. And adds more distortion but for some reason like in 1176 high ratio with the fastest attack and fastest release at a high gain reduction will cause crunchy distortion. Yeah. Slow down that release all of a sudden that crunchy distortion is gone. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, it's 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 crazy but yeah. So yeah, that's that's like that's that's my number one is like uh, how much the attack and release actually can affect and how important it is to just listen to it and what it's doing to not just the transients but to the groove, to like what DK was saying the the initial sound of the drums or the sound how If it's on the master bus, how when the drum hits, it affects everything else in the song, too. And things like that. Yeah, that's my number one. That's awesome.
0: Okay, then what is number two?
1: Number two. um, Okay, I'm I'm trying to find the best way to word this. Um, It's learning your equipment. um, Like learning how an EQ works versus just learning how to EQ vocals or how to EQ drums. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Is there
0: like an episode that we talked about that that kind of explained this a little bit better?
1: So we we talked about it more vaguely, but there's one there's one episode where we specifically got into that. It was one about um, I think someone was talking about eqing a bass or something like that. Um, but it's just like yeah, it's like this is the concept that um, if you're eqing the best way to eq vocals, the best way to eq drums isn't to learn how to eq vocals or how to eq drums. It's learning how an EQ affects a sound and how different EQs that you use, different EQ plugins will affect the the soundscape of like a track and how you could use that knowledge to get the vocal sound you want.
0: Yeah, okay. So I would even expand or expound into something like um, the idea that EQ is meant to be a musical tool. Not like it can be used surgically. It can be used from a very logical perspective but i think we should more err or side on um more towards the other way the other direction which is keep it musical yeah yeah like uh yeah you could tighten up a kick drum but you can kill all i mean we know from vocals um or any sort of instrument with psychoacoustics the resonances and the harmonics that that sound creates is what helps us figure out in our mind who's talking, if it's a male mm-hmm. or a female, or if it's James or DK, um uh the type of guitar it is, whether it's got like a different woods, create different resonances, different vocal boxes. So if you cut resonant all the resonant frequencies like really surgically and without thought, it makes every single source, no matter what you use, really hollow and soulless. Yeah. Very soulless. It can totally kill the vibe of that single track or instrument we're recording. Um, and I think that's the point that we're trying to get to, right?
1: Yeah, and like an interesting thing that we do too, because let's say you're learning drums or you're learning guitar. When you first start out, you're just learning guitar. You're not starting guitar by, okay, I'm starting off by learning how to play metal guitar, right? You're just learning the basics, and then you you could eventually expand and know how to play guitar in different genres. Whereas as oddka the music, we usually learn EQ or compression, like, okay, this is how you EQ a vocal, this is how you EQ a drum. And later on, you start to learn how just EQ works as a concept.
0: Yeah, like why that was the right move. Yeah. Like the concept of like what muddiness is. Yeah. Because like, we did an episode on the exclusive episodes about um, the opposites. For example, the opposite of muddy oh, yeah, yeah. is like powerful or yeah. full. Right. It's the same exact frequency, but if used correctly, it's a totally different adjective. Yeah. Um the opposite of boxy is like full chested or yeah, maybe that powerful full um Yeah.
1: And like sometimes muddy is good, sometimes muddy isn't. Yeah, like, yeah there's yeah. the um
0: Or like with low end, instead of uh instead of saying boomy, like boomy is too much or uncontrolled low end, but if it's a good amount of low end, it's then like it's like tight. fat or tight, yeah. you know? It's like um or yeah, so it's like there's different Every frequency you need to figure out each one has a purpose and you need to figure out how to use it not just because eventually it has to turn into not because somebody told you yeah you have to understand why
1: yeah if you understand your tool if you understand your compressor you're gonna know what like needs to be addressed you know like okay my song sounds like this what is it oh it's because I know how a compressor could fix this track and open up the rest of the tracks or something like that yeah. yeah so it's just I guess my number two is just like Learning the concept of your plugins versus how to do the plugin just for a certain type of track.
0: There's a lot of nuance in that too, because I mean, even the idea of like genre cultures, which we talk a lot about. Yeah, like you don't EQ a vocal like Michael Jackson across the board in every single genre. Yeah, you don't EQ a vocal like like Chris Brown across the board in every single genre. It doesn't make sense even across in the, in the same genre. Yeah, that there's a different vibe for different sounds. And if you think that a vocal just has, you're supposed to cut out 500 hertz, and you're supposed to boost 12k and above, and you're supposed to high pass everything, like you don't understand the concept of music. Yeah, because music is supposed to be fluid and changing for every single song, and the more than EQ is if you know how to EQ, but you have a you have a really good. With a really good understanding of music and emotions through sounds, mm-hmm. you'll be unstoppable. More than just no, having all the presets.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's just helpful. It's good. So yeah, learn your, learn your, get to understand the concept of yours.
0: You, you did bring up though that like it is important and a vital part of the beginner process that sometimes like you need to, you do need to go through presets. Um, and I think that if you're able to be as open minded I don't. I think it's very difficult, like because you have no idea what you're going, what yeah, you're doing at the so, very beginning. it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but eventually, if you can get to the point where you have the mental capacity to think about why that preset was created, yeah, like well, this is the fat snare drum preset. Okay, what frequencies are boosted and why?
1: What is fat? Yeah, what is fat? fat? Like drum. use
0: it to kind of figure out definitions and feels. Yeah. Um, and then adjust to taste according to what you think. Yeah. So um, I think there are some purposes to it, but in the long-term yeah. professional realm, nobody's using presets other than to get to a point faster.
1: Yeah, especially like when you get the better recordings you get, especially in the mixing realm. Um, they're probably already recorded in a way that you won't need to use those classic EQ curves. The adjustments that you'll need to make are so minor that you do have to understand the frequency spectrum to know what needs to be done. that kind of makes sense,
0: yeah, that's exactly right yeah what's the um what's the next one?
1: Oh, the next one um, uh, we always talk about keep it simple um, but this is the kind of adjustment I've been making more recently too is keeping it simple on the master bus
0: ah, yes, we did that episode was specifically about the perspective of bouncing stems and alternatives yeah um so the dangers of over over mixing the master bus or mix bus um yeah there's there's a few different things we talked about but i assume we the first thing that came to my mind is from a practical perspective if you're bouncing a shit ton of stems and alternatives doing too much mix bus processing can not only be heavy on the pc um but uh, the, if you can get away with just a limiter, it, the bouncing the stems, like the actual practical process of bouncing stems is just going to be a lot more simpler. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the other thoughts too. Like, yeah, if you have like a mix bus compressor, it can totally change the vibe and kill everything that you've done before up to that point. Yeah. We probably talked about that on that episode.
1: Or like big EQ moves on the mix bus and yeah, stuff which, like
0: that. Yeah, big EQ moves is yeah. a strange one.
1: Because then you like print your stems and it just sounds has a completely different you know sound to it
0: yeah and uh, I think on that episode we talked about like linear phase EQ and how stupid Mm -hmm. that is just in general yeah um, linear phase eq is is not better in fact it is actually worse you should avoid using i don't know why but on tiktok there was a huge trend where people are like <laughs> on pro q3 if you switch you should default to using linear phase because linear phase is but no fuck no it's not better it's it's actually worse
1: if you read the manual they highly advise against Using they they say you have to very specifically know what you're using linear phase for, otherwise it will make weird noises.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very specific and does not is not important. Ninety nine percent of the time, um, I do know a lot of mixing engineers that are very heavy on the mix bus. Yeah, um, Bob Horn is very heavy on the mix bus. Um, and that's and I've I've gone in different. In it right now, I'm very minimalist on the mix bus. Yeah, but the point is, you do it on purpose and not yes. because like you're processing on a mix bus <clears throat> it should be fairly like yin and yang somewhere balanced right like yeah. if you're over relying on the mix bus that's kind of dangerous if you're under relying on the mi- on on uh, i don't think it's possible to under rely on a mix bus yeah that's interesting yeah yeah it's i don't think i don't think it's bad to to not rely on the mix bus i do think it's bad to over rely on the mix bus yeah
1: that's a way to put it yeah <clears throat> i would agree with that yeah like for me at uh, this current phase i'm in in my mixing the mix bus has become more of just getting that last bit of loudness with like the limiters and a clipper and stuff like that but yeah that could change down the line but yeah it just kind of it comes down to not just doing a bunch or i guess not hoping that the mix bus will fix your mix or make it sound better
0: yeah and i wonder what context we were talking about on that episode um because there's a lot of nuance behind this too because in some ways it doesn't matter at all yeah in some ways it doesn't matter at all yeah um I do. I think another thing in concept too is like I think uh, um, people overuse compression on Mixbus. bus. Mm. I think most songs and especially within hip hop uh, should not use any compression. Really? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I think compression can kill kill a hip hop song very easily. Because uh, dude, if it's like an A to wait and it triggers the compressor really hard and it just ducks the vocal, it ducks the entire song. It sounds it's yeah. very easy to overcompress, and it kills the impact. Um, better to use clippers and limiters and dare I say not make it as loud as you think it needs to be. Hmm. And then, uh, or, or thoughtful, tasteful side chaining, which is not part of the genre, but if you can keep it hidden so it doesn't sound side chain, yeah. but you get the headroom effects of side chain. Um, those are, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. A mixed bus compression, I think is, is probably one of the most overused techniques, uh, among beginners and intermediates yeah. yeah for sure
1: although i will say even though this completely contradicts the bullet point um in the genre like what's his name post malone's new album it's like almost an intentional high mix plus compression like every time yeah, the kick hits sounded. you could hear the whole track pump but that sounds i don't think most people are
0: I, I don't think most people are doing it that intentionally yeah the problem is yeah the, i i It's very obvious when things are done intentionally. It's very obvious when things are not, and I would err on the side of it's it's not done intentionally in most cases. Yeah. So uh, be careful with that. Um, I know a lot of engineers that swear by mixing into a limiter.
2: Yeah, I've heard of. Yeah, I know a lot of people that.
0: I think conceptually, the 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 concept is if if you have to put a limiter at the end of the song, you know, to send to a client. Um, which it'd be dumb to not do like yeah. you do not want to send demos or rough drafts rough mixes without a limiter on
1: yeah unfortunately that's that is just the most this. immediately recognizable oh it's better because it's louder yeah yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. it's unfortunate
0: yeah. just psychology there the, how the human mind works and interprets things sounding better honestly um i think cons- it makes kind of sense because if you mix into a limiter then you would hear how the transient shaping and compression reacts into the limiter yeah. So like, you don't have to squash the the. You don't have to compensate by over mixing or like over emphasizing transients, knowing that you're gonna squish them later. Yeah. Right. Um. With a limiter, because if you had a limiter from the beginning, you can hear how it squishes it, and then you can change the transients. So like, you it, it can make sense. I know some people that swear by it. Yeah. Um, I think more importantly, this is a workflow issue that people should just choose one or the other. I know Grammy-winning engineers that swear against it completely. Yeah. And I know Grammy-winning engineers that swear by it. Yeah. um, Which means it's not that important of a decision. It's got different practical workflow experience.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I feel like this bullet point is something that over time, both of our opinions will just flip-flop back and forth on like, how the master bus will be yeah. used. Just yeah. like you said, there's Grammy, Grammy people who swear by it and Grammy people that swear against it. It's just,
0: yeah. And my, my main mentor, Leslie Brathwaite is on the side of doing less and not doing anything on the mix bus. Yeah. Like surprisingly. So, yeah. Um. So uh, that's just my team. I'm, I always love simplifying the process instead of over, over complica- Like I think complicating a process, if it's not practical, I think serves no purpose at all. And it's if anything, it just it feels kind of gatekeepy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not empowering to find out that it's that in order to get to a practical solution, it has to be really complicated. And that's just how it is. Like that's not that's not empowering in any case. Most of the time people overcomplicate because that's part of their workflow and they've never learned otherwise, not because it's necessary. Yeah. Um I think that's important.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well my next point And I guess it's a more simple one, but I think it's an important one. If it sounds good, it sounds good. Like, don't worry about what got the vocal or the drums to sounding how they do. But if at the end it sounds good and it goes with the song, then just stick with it.
0: Is there any examples that you can use, what sounds good, sounds good, whether in a professional or in a personal context?
1: I'd say, and I guess this is my evolution of, like me evolving as a mixer, is it used to be like I would feel like I would have to at least have an EQ on a vocal or at least have a compressor on there. But I realized the more that I've like laid back, or I've recently done a mix where I, I don't even think I had to use any compression because it was so well recorded on the vocal. And it was like almost combating that feeling of, oh, but I need to, to like get that forward sounding thing.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, we, this is something that we talk about quite often is the concept that um, I think knowing when not to do something is a significantly more valuable tool that I'm willing to pay. And labels are obviously willing to pay a lot more for. Yeah. Like it, that is so much more valuable from not just a skill level, but from a financial perspective. If I, at labels... Don't if you are getting paid $3000 a song, surprisingly, it's counterintuitive, they don't want you to touch the song that much. Yeah. There's a lot more egos involved. They they just want you to do something, they want you to clean it up. They don't want to know what you did. They they just want it to be like approved. Yeah. And this is why the greatest mix engineer serving today, we we this is sometimes we talk about this example. But he does surprisingly little to a mix, partially because the files that he get are already well polished. And if they have the if the label has the budget to hire Serban, um, they don't need much to begin with. Yeah, right. And also, uh, it's just um, yeah. I I really do think that at the art of mixing, knowing when not to do something is significant. Like exponentially more valuable than knowing what to like thinking yeah. you know what to do
1: i will say though the flip side of that too is and this is when i first came out here something i learned from watching you mix i was in that phase of being scared to do big eq moves is is okay that sometimes you need to do some pretty big eq moves to like tame a vocal or like do some pretty intense um dynamic eq moves to like get a vocal to sit there too so again, if it sounds good, if it sounds good, it sounds, it sounds good. good. Yeah.
0: I, I will notice that in my own personal career, uh, the lower like independent artists, less experienced artists, they want me to do more heavy lifting. Yes. Um, for sure. and there are a few engineers out there that are known to be heavy lifters. Like Jason, Joshua is always in the camp of, uh, fuck your rough mix he, he's like fuck <laughs> yeah. your rough mix i'm i don't i'm not here to make your demo sound better i'm here to make hits yeah like that's kind of his mentality um from a practical perspective in the professional realm most engineers are not like that and yeah. in effect uh by R and labels those types of engineers are looked down on at higher levels yeah um this is just, they, they want something to sound expensive, but they don't want you to if, cause if you change too much and one person, cause there's teams like on like very heavy projects. If you got like four different A&Rs involved, the, uh, some sort like a bunch of managers involved, the artists and the three different producers on this track, along with the mixing and en- the mastering engineer and the recording engineer, it takes one person not liking the changes that you make yeah. to all of a sudden put a wrench in the entire fucking thing. And then. All of the A and R are in total agreement that it's just not worth hiring you. Yeah, like and and you lose money and yeah. you lose work. Is at that level, your job is to just put out a prod, like put out a good product that makes the like. That causes the least amount of trouble. Like if, if a label or an A&R or manager could, they would use AI that would never talk back (laughs) that can do the same thing and just produce consistent results every single time. Because the problem that they're trying to solve is not a creative one. It's a practical one. They want a mix to sound expensive, to sound consistent or whatever things that issues that they've talked about in the conversations done before. Yeah. They don't want an egoist egoist mixer that all of a sudden says, I think this snare sounds better and I'm right.
1: Yeah. And you could hurt that, that someone totally, on the that team's totally ego kills. Yeah. when you're doing that. Yeah. yeah.
0: But at, at the beginning phase, it's like for a beginner to intermediate mixer where, you know, charging a couple hundred bucks per song, um, you know, working mostly with local artists. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's important and it's good to be able to provide that as a service to do, be able to do more. Yeah. Like if, if a, if um, this is a pretty normal scenario, dad wants to pay for their 17-year-old kid's first single or album or whatever. Yeah. So dad is funding the project. The kid sucks, honestly. <laughs> and and they just want, their their issue is not like, for an A&R label management, the solution is they just need to go through this mixing process. For a father and a son, the solution is to make the son look good. Yeah. And that means lifting as much weight as possible. Yeah. For, for the label that the, it's politics. Like you don't want to do as much because you don't want anybody disagreeing with it because that would just start yeah. wrenching the entire thing. So, so it's the politics are different. So yeah. with the, with a father son scenario, if you know how to melodyne the shit out of a vocal, if you know how to make a shitty s- snare sound fantastic and do yeah. the heavy lifting, fuck your rough mix. I'm here to make hits. If you know how to do that, that is so, so valuable. Yeah. Um, and it can make you money and it does work really well. Uh, it, but as you scale and as you grow your career, I'm noticing that those people don't survive and they have to, there's a lot of balancing and uh, dissonance that you have to deal with as you scale. Because eventually you're, hopefully, if this is a good and normal problem to have, hopefully you get to the point where you're like, I feel like I'm not doing enough and I'm charging way too much. Like That, yeah. is, a, that is a very normal and great problem uh, dissonance to feel if you're scaling yeah. properly
1: but then at that point it is just you have such a good ear that you know what to do for those very minute things that will carry the song a little bit higher that's
0: true the confidence gained through experience should make you not feel as much dissonance yeah
1: because that, 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 t- that little bit of stuff that Serving Ghenea does I bet we could not at this at least me in at this point where I am at mixing I probably would not be able to recognize those changes that needed to be made
0: that's true. Yeah, he's th- probably
1: got such a trained ear that he knows.
0: Yeah, the um, there's been a couple times where I've had the experience of listening to it before and after, where uh, a producer or even a mixer, one of them was a mixer, yeah. Um, and the label had the budget to finish the mix with servants specifically, yeah. And in both instances, hearing the before and afterwards, it is surprisingly not different. It is like. It was very surprising how little changed. Like, oh, like it was to the point where even I, a trained ear, is like, yeah, I think I think the kick drum is tighter. Yeah, I think the snare uh, fits a little bit better. I think the vocals are a little bit more consistent throughout. Yeah, it sounds like he did a little bit of vocal automation, but it's like it's so subtle. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's just a, uh, it's just something to consider. Like, it, there's different styles, but one is heavily favored in the upper echelons than the other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, trust your ear. Don't be scared. So yeah, again, uh if it sounds good, it sounds good. Just trust yeah, that. Yeah. Whether it means doing a lot or doing a little, if it sounds right. Um my last point is studying monitors. This was actually a huge oh, difference for me. Yeah. Um we had an episode back a while back about what how to recognize what good low end sounds like. And I've even brought up is something that came up uh when you were giving me feedback on my mixes, it was consistently the low end was not that good. And so I, my initial response is that like, oh, I just have Cali LP sixes. I don't have the best setup. And that was just kind of an excuse, I guess, in a way. But after that conversation, I, I made a playlist. Um, Cause you told me that Bob Horn and Manny Marroquin have really good low end. So I made a playlist of a bunch of their mixes. And while I would do, while I would work and stuff, I would just leave it playing on the monitors. And then I would take some time when not working to study how that low end sounds on my monitors and to get an idea of what quote unquote like good low end sounds like on my monitors and because I took that extra time to study my monitors um I remember that after that I did a mix and um they specifically mentioned that the low end sounded really good in it Mm. so it was just a matter of understanding taking the time to study your monitors and to understand what different things like good low end sounds like, what good vocals sound like on those monitors and how they translate to everything else will pay off. So it's just like a thing that even if you can't afford like the super, super nice monitors, you can still get great mixes by understanding how things will translate. So
0: yeah, the the main thing when it comes to referencing, people talk about like car reference, um, headphone reference, just whatever it is, AirPod, yeah, computer, tablet, phone. Um, one of the things that we always emphasize is, is the importance of learning your setup. And that means yeah. in your listening position, if you mix on headphones, you should be listening to music casually on those headphones. Or if you have a specific, even the LP6s or whatever, yeah, you should be listening to music casually in your mix position yeah, as much as possible. That is part of your homework. And I would say that most of the referencing should be done before you even open up a doc. Yeah. It should just be listening to Spotify or Apple or whatever you use on your computer, just listening to music and analyzing how much low end is too much or too little. Yeah. Analyzing how the vocals sit in each song and then being able to through a large sample, larger sample size, figure out how a vocal should sit in general on your speakers. Like you should be able to, it shouldn't be a guess And if if you feel like you are ever guessing how much kick drum or vocal or snare you should be putting, um, it shouldn't be a guess.
1: Yeah, you should reference.
0: Yeah, and that is a work of referencing on your mix, on your referencing your mix position with your mix playback system. Oh yeah, that's what
1: it is. Yeah, something I've been doing um, a lot more lately is because I do I have like uh, another job I do remotely. It's like two hours in the morning, and during that time, uh, I will listen to music in the genre of what I'm mixing in so like like last week I had a guy and he's like in the genre of kind of juice world post Malone and so I was listening to just that genre for those two hours of doing my other job so that by the time I'm ready to mix the song I have a very general idea of what it sounds like so my initial when you first hear the rough I have an idea okay I need I know what needs to be adjusted to make it fit into the genre
0: I actually really love that. In fact, I th- I would say that that's almost ideal. Two hours is a little bit long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's like almost ideal.
1: Yeah. It's just two hours because I'm working. I would do thirty yeah, yeah, minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. if I don't have work. in the I morning.
0: I will say that I listen to at least twenty to twenty minutes to an hour of music casually every day before I start mixing. Yeah. Um, playing on Spotify different songs that I like or new songs that are coming out, uh, different genres. I don't. Yeah. Um, most mostly for so i can study while i'm answering emails creating my to-do list organizing my workload for the day yeah um i'm usually juggling between so many different projects that if i need to have some sort of like task manager and to-do list in order to do that yeah um and i'm while i'm answering emails doing all that boring stuff office stuff i'm listening yeah. to music for in my mix position right yeah. here as in the same position that i would actually mix a song in
1: and i'll say especially when you're when you upgrade your monitors because i just i bought those monitors off of you that i upgraded mm-hmm. it's actually kind of overwhelming how when you upgrade monitors i went from the lp6s to like a three-way monitor you have to adjust to how much more information you're getting because i realized at first i was instinctively because with my other monitors i learned okay if i hear this much coming from this frequency area i need to do do something take care of it so now i'm having to retrain myself okay i it's okay that i'm hearing that much from here because i'm just getting a lot more information out of the monitors yeah so just make sure you're always yeah when you especially when you upgrade monitors or change your monitors get to know how they sound and how songs sound on it
0: yeah, that's a whole nother episode that we could talk about. Is like the the differences in two way versus three way monitors, yeah, um, and crossovers, and how that can affect uh, perception of music and audio, and the benefits of both. Uh, I went from having a two way monitor system to getting ATCs, which is three way, um, getting into PMCs, which is another three way, and then uh coming back down to a two-way system. Oh. And so it does sound different and there's a little bit of that three-way that I miss that I'm eventually I want to have a three-way system for my second pair. Yeah. I want to get I want to go back to those ATC's that I love so much. And um briefly without making an entire episode about this, uh the crossover so in order for the tweeter and the woofer to work together, you there's a crossover in the speaker so like mm-hmm. the power is allocated to 20 hertz to 1000 hertz 1500 hertz and the tweeter takes care of 1500 2000 hertz and above yeah. so it's like it splits up the frequencies the problem with the two-way system or um the argued problem with the two-way system is that it splits it right in the middle where the vocals are so there's a crossover in where the vocals are, or like the mid-range, which we all kind of understand that the magic is in the mid-range. The most important part of a mix is the mid-range. Yeah, Where like a three-way system, the point of that is that you have a dedicated... Mid-range driver, which changes the crossover to be in the low mids and the upper high, end, upper mid-range, oh. rather than directly in the mid-range. So that way, you have a clear, non-crossed-over, clear mid-range for vocals or whatever's in the middle, yeah. and then you have the top end. The but then you can argue, why don't we have more crossovers? And yeah. we have uh, an upper frequency. It's it's the problem is the more crossover you have, you also introduce a lot more problems, including phase and timing. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, there, there's. I, I do want a three way playback device eventually. Yeah. But I, I really, really like my monitors. And I, I love
1: these monitors too. So
0: much. Um, so uh, that's just something that is interesting, something do you need to cons- consider. And, and to be fair, I do think a monitoring or playback system, uh, number one is number, ways to spend money. Number one is always going to be acoustic treatment, mm-hmm. uh, number two is aesthetics. I hate to say that, is like aesthetics.
1: It's unfortunate, but yeah, Yeah, people care about the aesthetics.
0: Yeah, and I also, not just other people, but myself. Like, I want to create a space where I'm focused. Mm -hmm. I want to declutter. Um, And the last episode was entirely dedicated to that before you came over when I did another solo recording. Um, The third thing, like the most important piece of equipment to invest in after those two things are taken care of, I would say is monitors. If I'm a snob about anything, I am a snob about studio monitors, audio monitors. Like I'm, I'm pretty, and not from, and not from a preference perspective, but like an objective performance perspective. Like for example, um, I can always change EQ frequencies and add more mid range or add more low end with sound ID or some sort of, uh, external DSP. Yeah. But I can't change the distortion of a speaker, which mostly is shown through, like, transient response. Yeah. And that's the one thing with the speakers that I have now are very much emphasized on transient response. I, I don't think, even you, who's has worked on my speakers for a small, short amount of time. Yeah. Like, when you compress or clip or limit anything on these speakers, it is so fucking obvious.
1: Yeah, it is. It, yeah. I've, like, done, like, a little bit of mixing stuff on, like, that one, uh, uh project you're showing me and it was like almost overwhelming how
0: yeah there's like how s- much
1: more transient information yeah, yeah. there was.
0: That's another thing too is like when I upgraded from like six hundred dollar monitors to my first ATCs, which were twelve thousand dollar monitors. Yeah. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Like it was a lot more information coming at me and I had to, it took a couple months for me to figure out what to do with that information. Yeah. It was super overwhelming. That's, yeah. a, that's a
1: word that I would describe. That's what I'm feeling right now too. Everything feels like there's too much of it, but I'm having to train myself. Yeah, it's you just, start over cutting. I'm just getting more information. Yeah. yeah, I
0: did that with the ATCs too. Like I was overcompensating, cutting too much in the mid-range because it made everything feel so raw. Yeah. Um. That That is a whole nother conversation itself. Um, but yeah, if I'm a snob about anything, speakers, and there's no... If you are uh, really big into speakers, then you know the importance of just spending hours in your listening position, getting used to them with various different genres, different styles, different composers, producers, um, and and figuring out how your speakers are reacting, even within your room. Yeah. Um, I just added a sub to my room. I don't I,
1: really it's oh, over here. You'll have to yeah. Show me that. After. I'll have to Can show have that. And I've got it
0: all phased aligned and everything, oh, and snap. music sounds totally different. So now I have to do some training. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I, it's actually very, it's very nice. I've that's I've cool. worked with um, I had a sub system with my ATCs, um, but I'm o- hopefully eventually trying to upgrade to a dual sub system, which is a whole nother thing with a with a completely variable phase alignment. So it's not just one eighty or zero. There's a whole you can change it seven degrees if you want to. Oh my goodness! Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, another thing that we can talk about yeah. later. But um,
1: I say I will say a take a takeaway practical thing. We tend to do that a lot on the, the show too. Yeah, that people could do with this specific bullet point that helped me a lot is uh, a get a find you can find playlists on Spotify that people make of like all of Manny Mariquin's mixes or all of Serving Ganea's mixes, just someone that people you know everyone says they're a really good mixer, just so that you know that they're good mixes. And it could be a song you like, and take the same song and you can listen to it on repeat at different levels, different sound levels. And take note of okay, what vanishes, what stays. When I turn down the monitors, what am I hearing? Am I just hearing the vocals and the kick? How much am I hearing it? Okay, when I t- start to turn it up, okay, what does the low end sound like now when I turn it up there? Okay, what happens when I play it super loud? And that that is something that helped me is take note of how things sound at different volume, uh, and what vanishes, what comes back, um, and kind of that helped me kind of better get to know my monitors.
0: Yeah. Uh, to be fair to uh, the branding and with mix engineers really interesting because you do a song it comes out months or years later yeah they get recognition you grow up listening to it by the time you grow up listening to it as a child by the time you become an adult and you recognize who did it because you're trying to be an engineer um they're already like 20 30 years past their game so the people that are popular right now like um cla or Andrew Sheps, like they were in the game decades ago. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's a little bit of a lag there. Um, and it's also, I, one thing that this is, this is fairly controversial, but I want to talk about the importance of having your own tastes and mm. having having enough reference and having a big enough sample size to come up with your own taste. Like for me, you don't have to agree with me because the point is not whether or not you agree with me. The point is I have enough experience to come to my own conclusions. One, I think there is a group of overrated mix engineers. So there's like, the the po- important part is not what I think. Yeah. The important part is... I, is is not CLA I th- or like Jason Joshua is overrated. It's not that the point is I have, I've spent enough time to be able to come to my own conclusion. And I think that everybody, even if your list is completely contradicting to mine, yeah. I think you should have the confidence and the, the, um, I think you should have the confidence to come up with your own list. And I think you should have enough experience to be able to explain your reasoning. Um, that's the important part, not about whether or not my list is right. Like, I think any yeah. sort of list of, of what movies or what artists or what rappers or what singers are the best or the greatest, I think is stupid. The, the important skill is to determine what you like, because that will directly uh, determine how you mix and how, what kind of clients you work with. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that it's a detriment if you are unable to properly and explicitly articulate what you do and don't like. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Cool. Okay, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but
1: <laughs> no, it's all good. For each, Yeah, but yeah, those are my five points. There. Cool.
0: I think that's a great five yeah. points.
1: Tune in to uh, subscribe to the Mix Music Podcast exclusives. There's a lot. We've had our format of like you know reacting to clips and like giving very specific feedback. But yeah, we're gonna we're experimenting a lot with a lot more things to bring to the table. Like I said, we're gonna. Uh, start messing around with mix breakdowns so you can just kind of see what went into some of the mixes that DK has done we're going to go into some of the mixes that I will do and DK will tear me to shreds in front of all of our listeners on my mixes and yeah it'll it'll be fun
0: there you go so once again thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast James is the man obviously and we talk about this sort of stuff in depth in 15 to 30 minute chunks so like bite sized chunks so if you like that shorter form straight to the point podcast style um, as well as just consistent, uh, practical, specific tips for bettering mixes. Um, cause we get really philosophical on the regular channel. i yeah. dive deep in like psychology and like business cause the point of the podcast is to help people grow their career. But yeah. if you specifically want technical tips, com slash exclusive, um, James and I do that. And I think you can tell the chemistry that we have and how good of a job James does in curating the information to make sure that it is benefit to the listener as we break down nuances, break down stereotypes, um, and to help better your practical mixing skills through, uh, personal fuck ups and personal victories. So that's, that's literally, yeah. and <laughs> we improve
1: your marriage. We will make your marriage better. We do that. Oh yeah. We have pretty bad marriages. No, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah,
0: we, yeah, that's one of the things right now. I don't know how to, I'm always awkward with how we sign off on podcasts. Yeah. We change the sign offs every single, I don't know what it is. I can't come to (laughs) recent sign offs have been technical tips to improve your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. DK, I'll just be like, all right, DK sign us off. And he'll sometimes get very deep and philosophical or just tell you to use lotion.
0: Yeah, use lotion, you ashy son of a bitch. That's, that was one of the sign-offs. Yeah,
1: it's so awkward Drake, shaking like a dry hand. Especially when it's a dry hand that they like squeeze your hand too hard.
0: You know me, man. Uh, I feel so awkward <laughs> just, just shaking any woman's hand.
1: Just, just... <sighs> yeah, I don't know how and to I, make I eye contact. I don't know how to make eye contact. I look I at my wife, I'm like, this okay? Am I alright?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: my, my dad never taught me how to yeah. interact with women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you
1: get more of that too <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway thank you so much for listening happy mixing my friends and stay saucy
3: mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt